has anybody seen this little warning on a, a box or ever heard that NSFW before? Never? You, you must hang around with better crowds than I do. <laughs> um, actually, the first time I saw it was um, at Walmart. I, I love board games, sometimes puzzles and all that, and especially, um, you know, around the table and stuff like that with family. And, and there was one that seemed really interesting, but it said NSFW on it. And I said, what is that? Of course, I had to Google it because I'm not cool enough to know current lingo, and it means not safe for work. It's like a game that you probably shouldn't take to the office party because there's something in it. So that's, that's what that means. So. Uh, but for the past several weeks, we have been talking about the special relationship between God the Father and us as children. And as we wrapped up the series last Sunday, I challenged you to do something this past week, and it was to show love to others through acts of kindness. This was to be done without any hope or expectation of response and may have even been done anonymously. And how did you guys do with that? Anybody? I see elbows, eyes turning away. <laughs> the idea was that we can accomplish, or that we can make obedience to all of God's commandments much easier to accomplish by putting one commandment, just one instruction first in our mind, and that was to love God with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, and with all of our strength, and also to love others as we love ourselves. And I suggested that by doing this, we would make significant strides towards the other commandments, like no other gods before me or keep the Sabbath holy. And I said, if you love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind and all your strength, there simply isn't time and there isn't room or energy to love another God, whether it's a God or a thing. There's no room because you're so busy loving God. What about the commandment to not bear false witness? You know, we call it the, the lie or, or don't murder or, or the one we said, said we kind of struggled with sometimes honor your mother and father. I think the, the person I pulled on that one said, sometimes my mom and dad irritate me. But, you know, if we love others, it should be increasingly difficult to lie to them or about them, to dishonor or disrespect them because you love them too much to do that to them. And certainly you wouldn't harm someone you love. And what about thou shalt not covet? Now, if you love yourself as God loves you, and that is a lot, then there's nothing that anyone has that would rival what God has for you what God intends for you to have. God has something specific in mind. His plan, his purpose, his blessings, they're all custom created and divinely set aside for you, each one of you, individually. When you realize this truth, there simply isn't a desire to be anyone else or to have someone else's stuff because that gets in the way of the special, awesome thing that God has for you. So how did you do with this? Did you, did you remember to try? I'll tell you how I did. I did okay sometimes. I met some unlovable people this week, right? But that's my definition of unlovable. And, and it's tough, isn't it, to love the unlovable? To forgive someone who isn't sorry, to, to be content with being me, especially when you're in a period of when being me isn't that fun for whatever reason. But let me give you this assurance. That wasn't a once-and-done assignment. If you didn't get very far last week or didn't even try, you have another chance, Okay. God calls you to this commandment every day. So if you got only as far as Sunday afternoon before you faltered, or maybe you made it all the way to Wednesday, what then? What did you do? Did you give up? Did you count it as lost and then went back to business as usual? Did you try again? Did you try harder? And if you did, regardless of what you did, did you realize that there's no condemnation in your failure, and you simply needed to extend yourself just a little bit of that immeasurable grace that God extends to you? Forgiveness and then do better in the next moment. 
As we talked about things we wish he hadn't said, and that's what I call last week's message, these tough or seemingly impossible commandments that we identified, we were reminded that we aren't off the hook for making a single or even multiple genuine attempts. We are called to be 100% obedient 100% of the time. That's tough. And I close these words with these words from Jesus himself from Matthew 28, 19, 20. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We certainly hang on to that promise. This is referred to as the Great Commission and perhaps the greatest commandment. And I believe we have a general idea of what it means to do these things. And the specifics of individual calling may determine what go looks like for you. Are you to become a missionary in a distant land? Are you to go somewhere else? Are you simply to go and make a difference in the world outside these double doors? Both are important, and both are honoring and obedient to this commandment. And when was the last time you asked God where he actually wants you to go? And let me add, add this thought. Wherever you go, take God and Jesus with you. And I mean, they're already with you, right? They're with you in all times and all things. But put them at the forefront, the forefront of your mind in all that you do. And ask yourself things like, how can I be obedient and honoring to him in this place, in this situation? And that leads me to the title of this week's message. And we all know that there are certain stories, certain jokes, certain songs or movies that may not be absolutely horrible, but you probably wouldn't share them in certain places, and perhaps this building is one of those places. And with the proliferation of email and internet and all the social media that goes with it, news travels fast, doesn't it? And rumors travel fast, and jokes travel fast. And I know that where I work Monday through Friday, all websites and emails are scanned for certain content, mainly for security and liability reasons. I mean, there's, they tell you, you should have no expectation of privacy at all. Um, and it's funny because they do scan your emails for content and I'll often, you know, start working on my message and I'll get some thoughts through the day and I'll email it to myself to work on in the evening and it'll have something, the blood of Christ. And I'll get a little thing said, you wrote blood, please be reminded that any reference to a medical condition is a violation of company policy, you know, and it, which is true, but it's interesting how much, you know, the stuff gets washed or watched. And some people don't think that through. And they get an email from a friend or maybe some spam and they make the mistake of opening at work or worse, they open it on a work computer. I'm going to miss some of those people. <laughs> but the practice to avoid those situations use a term like NSFW, which means not safe for work. And of course, that should be your little indication that says, maybe that's something I don't need to look at right, or expose myself to. We'll talk about that in another message. There are even games on the bookshelf or the store shelves, like I said, at Walmart with small warning in the box. This is NSFW edition. Presumably because the content uh, or the questions or the tasks are probably not something that you'd want to have at school or work or, or church. So it's got me thinking, is God NSFW? Is God no longer safe for work? Are we so politically correct now that we cannot do what our Creator commanded us to do? And, and worse, because we don't want to, people to feel uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but if, if thinking about God or realizing that God is always with me and sees me, if that makes me uncomfortable, that's a red flag. What am I doing that's making me so uncomfortable? Okay, Because I should be proud of this guy who's with me. In fact, I should be telling everybody's with me, but if I'm in a place where... You know, cover your eyes, Jesus. Don't look at what we're up to. That's not good. 
The same God that brings comfort with his presence may feel uncomfortable when we aren't in his light, right? And I really, really want to encourage you to revisit the message called out in order to be pulled in if you still have your notes for the podcast. We went really deep into this thing of, of conviction where God pulls you out of the darkness into the light and exposes some of this really ugly, yucky stuff for the purpose of helping you work through it. Whether it's, it could be a major sin or addiction or habit or it could be, you know, just some, I'll call them character flaws. You know, maybe we struggle with envy or forgiveness and all that matters. So how do we balance Christianity and being socially acceptable? Why is there even a difference? At what point did Christianity become something that you don't talk about in public? But if you were to look up the definition and synonyms of the word politically correct, here's some of the words you'd find. Considerate. Something that's politically correct is considerate. To that I say, can you only be considerate if you're in full agreement with the masses? Surely there's a way to be considerate and disagree, have your own thought. It may mean diplomatic. Can you only be diplomatic when you're more worried about getting along and pleasing the majority? I don't know. I guess it depends on what the majority thinks. How about this? Things that are politically correct are inclusive. Christianity is the epitome of inclusiveness or inclusion. God made everyone. God loves everyone. Everyone has an opportunity to do what is right and to spend an eternity with him. God promotes inclusiveness. He loves everyone. He says, save everyone. That's what he says. He, he doesn't exclude anybody. Even in our, our verse scripture to remember today. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. Everyone who believes. He goes on to say, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And you have to remember the, the error this was in. He's not saying just those who believe in me, but everybody. Everybody. That's inclusiveness. Politically correct is not offensive. And perhaps this is where we, we struggle a little bit. What offends someone is pretty subjective, right? Someone might be offended by this and someone may not at all. But we can certainly agree that an overzealous Christian can drive people away. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it's great to be on fire for Jesus, but we probably all can know or think of a person or situation that was just so much, you know, that it almost made people, you know, repeal a little bit. A person claiming to believe one way but living completely different can certainly damage the reputation of the cause of Christianity, right? Can we all agree we make mistakes? We don't have to call them out right now, but do we make mistakes? Is it possible we're hypocrites? Don't we say you should live like this? We know we should live like this, but at the same time we know that we're not quite there yet ourselves. You know, I had a, a pastor that said, anytime someone says the church is full of hypocrites, I said we are absolutely and there's room for one more because that's what we are. We're just a work in progress, and anybody that tells you they got it all figured out is wrong. How about this? Um, something political, politically collect is liberal. Internal Revenue Service of the federal government of the United States says that I can't maintain any kind of comment on politics, right? I cannot endorse a, a candidate or a party or we lose our 501c3. But let me tell you this. Know the Bible. Know the candidates and go. Remember, do. Go and participate in the process. Vote for the things, the, the policies, the people that matter, that you believe are in line with what God wants for this nation. That's all I'm going to say about it. But do your part, okay? So this is interesting. Something that's politically correct is multiculturally sensitive, non-discriminatory, non-racist, and non-sexist. 
Sounds like Christian beliefs to me. But again, God created all of us, all races, all genders, both genders. God handpicked each person and placed them as he made them in a geographic location that they're in. He made Bob, the middle-class person in the middle of the Bible Belt in the U.S. But he also made the person that is in a tribe on the other side of the world. Made both. Absolutely made both. Who are we to prejudge anyone because of how or where the one God that made us all made them and placed them? Don't you think God's got a plan for people, all people? And again, politically correctness means respectful and sensitive. This is another one we may get in our way a little bit. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. There's that little asterisk at the end. It says, do this, but with gentleness and respect. But wait, there's more, because it goes on in verse 16. It says, keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now, what does that mean? It means when you talk about Christianity and faith and loving everyone, do it in a way so that no one could argue that... Who's going to say something to, you really should love everybody? No, you shouldn't. Hey, you should treat everybody with fair because God loves everybody. Are they going to say, no, you shouldn't? I mean, if you're speaking with clarity and, and it says, keep a clear conscience, you know, live a good life, and, and those who try to speak against you, they won't have any grounds for it because how do you argue with the good nature of God? And that's all we're doing. We're not saying do what we say. We're saying do what God says. So how do we share God in this kind of environment where we have to be very sensitive to everything and not step on toes or hurt feelings, whatever those may look like? Well, we must do it in a way that's sensitive. Okay? Jesus spoke with gentleness and a firm confidence. And I'm sure he raised his voice from time to time, and I'd like to think he was a dynamic speaker. But my image of Jesus is one of mildness and tenderness. Do you know someone like that? They speak. It's not that they speak quietly. It's just they speak warmly and you find yourself kind of leaning in to hear him not just literally but figuratively as well there's just this calmness and i imagine jesus when he spoke and when he preached he didn't have the booming voice and maybe he did i don't know but it seemed like he it just kind of flowed from him and you just oh yeah it just kind of went straight to your soul and we need to be godlike christian in a politically correct environment, being all-inclusive. And Jesus taught us this. Scripture is very clear who Jesus came to save, right? It's all of us. Scripture is very clear who he came to serve. It's everyone. Scripture is very clear who God made and loves and wants a relationship with. Again, it's everyone. So again, I ask, who are we to prejudge who is entitled to hear the good news of God's word? Or more, more personally, who's entitled to hear our own story of faith, Right? Now, I chose this topic example because it's a, a very real and current dilemma for the Christian community. And, and no, you can't be discriminated against for being a Christian and having Christian values. But you can be disciplined for making someone uncomfortable because of them. And I realize that many of you don't find yourself in an office environment daily, but there's still this dilemma that exists in public life outside of the structure of corporation. You know, that would have handbooks and constant fears of litigation. Because, you know, you hear it. Uh, you don't hear the Merry Christmases, the, the you know, we, gosh, I said it in the bulletin, you know. Merry Christmas. Um, God bless America. So here's what I suggest. Here's some general ways of, of discipling. 
in, in the kind of world we live in. First, you need to remember to teach. Okay? This is the whole point of discipleship is you teach. So doesn't mean you have to sit down with someone to give them a lecture, although if that situation arises, maybe, maybe it does. But are you prepared for direct one-on-one conversation? I and mean, so many of these deep conversations is a passing conversation. Someone says, what do you think about? Or tell me about, or you know, it could be tell me about your church, or tell me about how you grew up with this, or why do you believe? It could be something almost in passing. Are you prepared to give the answer like that scripture said? Always prepared to give an answer for the faith you have. And are you confident enough in what you should know that you know how to share it in your own words? Anybody can quote scripture, and I think that's very good and valuable. But if someone says, well, yeah, but what does that mean? Could you say what it means to you? I think Sunday morning Bible study is a great opportunity to experience this. We talk about scripture and we talk about um, thoughts and ideas and we answer some questions and we, we kind of talk about our own experience with it, right? I mean, really good stuff that is set around the table. Um, and someone says that your story may be a key that unlocks someone else's prison. Now, how impactful is that? I can tell you I've been edified. There's a church word. I've been built up and encouraged by stuff that's been set around the table on a Sunday morning by people. I mean, it, it's good stuff. That's teaching. That's teaching. Second, to correct someone. This is probably the one that causes the most discomfort for both the person correcting and the one being corrected. But think of it this way. If a bus was coming down the street and you saw someone, whether you knew them or liked them or not, and they were standing just a little too close to the curb and this bus is coming, wouldn't you shout at them at some point? Or maybe even pull them in towards you? Or would you be afraid that shouting would upset them? Right? Don't, don't hurt their ears. Or touching them might be taken the wrong way. Why did you grab me? I saved your life, you know? Friends, a good soul lasts infinitely longer than a good life. So let's not be afraid to save them when we have a chance. But again, with gentleness and respect. The third, model. You want to disciple someone, be an example for them. This should be the easiest one to do because all you have to do is just be you. Just be yourself. Know how you should live and then put it into practice. And don't worry, you don't need to draw attention to yourself in any way. Believe me, people see and notice what you're doing all around you, whether you want them to or not. People notice what you're doing. A person who calls attention to their own faith and brand of righteousness is actually acting counter to this commandment. Just live a God-honoring, obedient life to the best you can. And when you struggle, try again. And when you struggle, try again. And you will be an example for others. Nothing more to be done here. Just be you. Anybody can look at someone who they think is perfect and go, I can never do that. What's inspiring is someone who struggles and you see them get up and try again. Okay? Just be you. And the fourth and last one I would suggest is just love. And this one may actually be harder than the teaching and the correcting, right? Aren't people hard to love? Is it possible that you are one of those people to someone else? I probably am. There's probably someone who doesn't love me. Aren't you glad you have your father's love, though? Without condition, without limit. And if you find yourself having trouble loving someone, pray that you're able to see others the way that God sees them. It will be very obvious when this prayer gets answered because it will likely be a major change from the way that even the most compassionate of us views another person. When you have this aha moment and you look at someone and you don't see the flaws, you just see what God created. And as I talked about last week and again at the beginning of this message, love is the one commandment that relieves some of the load of the others. 
If you love someone, it is easier to teach them. It is easier to correct them because your motivation for correction is coming out of love, not of anger or judgment or condemnation. You love someone. You want them to get better and be better. Okay? And, and Sherry and I are a really good example of this. There are certain things that we just cannot agree on, we just cannot talk about. Um, sometimes it's really serious stuff, and sometimes it's really ridiculous stuff. And I mean that on both sides. But there are times when we sit down and we have a honest, deep conversation. And sometimes the say, things we say to each other, it's not that they're mean, but they're like, you know, when you do this, it really wasn't whatever, you know. I don't want to give a specific example on either of parts, but maybe you've had this kind of conversation with someone that says, you know, you hold them accountable. And, and you, you love them and you talk to them in full honesty. And because you love them, you can talk to them that way. And because you love them, you can listen to them when they talk back. Not talk back, but, but respond. Now, if you take the concept of political correctness at its face value, it's a good thing. If BPC means that we treat people of different backgrounds with respect and do not stereotype them based on the race or gender or anything else, that's biblical. The concept is bi- Biblical. Everybody gets along. Everybody's loved and accepted and heard. But I read an author's words that describe this modern politically correct movement this way. It says, in truth, this movement is designed to intimidate people and using language that has been pre-approved. Political correctness tends to be completely focused on human sensitivity and self-esteem. And when you focus on human sensitivity and self, you eliminate God from your life. And that's not biblical. Remember, no other gods before me. That's what he said. Not even when it's a good thing, but putting, given a wrong priority. You know, but as I was studying for this topic, I read an article by Franklin Graham, and he wrote a piece titled Politically Correctness Gone Amok. And I won't take the time to read it this morning, but I may post on the podcast, or if you want it, I can send it to you. But it, it was interesting, talking about well-intentioned things gone too far, maybe. But next Sunday morning at 8.30, we're going to have coffee brewed, and, and we'll gather around some tables in the Fellowship Hall, and we'll talk about discipleship. We aren't going to talk about overthrowing society and its definition of political correctness and inclusiveness, but we're going to talk about being ourselves, about being ourselves. It's the one thing we should be really good at, being ourselves and making a difference in the society. And I hope you'll enjoy it, or I hope you'll enjoy it too, but I hope you'll join us. But I want to end this uh, morning's message with this passage from Psalm 96, 2-4. The psalmist writes, sing to the Lord, praise his name every day, proclaim the good news that he saves, publish his glorious deeds among the nations, tell everyone about the amazing thing he does. Great is the Lord, he is worthy of praise. And catch those words. He says each day, every day, proclaim, publish, tell. This is faith in action. Every day, repeatedly put it in action. So will you take your love for God and your deepening love for people that we're all still working on and put it in action each day this week? Remember the wording of the Great Commission. Go, it said. Friends, go. Go make a difference and experience the unimaginable blessings that obedience brings in your life and in others. Let's pray. Father God, how amazing you are that you love us so much that you have so much hope and and expectations of good and wonderful things for us that you have a place, a home 
an eternal kingdom that your son has gone ahead to prepare a place for us. And you've done this for everyone. God, you ask so little of us, some basic rules to live by, and then a great commission that says go and help others understand these things. So God, as we balance this line between what the world thinks and and what you call us to do, God, always help us to lean on your side, to look to you, to be empowered by you and the Spirit, to have the words and the courage to answer a question from our heart, to walk across the room and, and introduce ourselves and make a friend that may lead to something greater. God, you've called us to make an impact for your kingdom. You've told us to go forth. And God, as we just part this place today, may we all be changed for the reminder of the scripture this morning. May we seek to please you, to serve others, to all people at all times and all situations. To watch for the red flag warnings in our life that say, this may be not safe for my soul. And continue to do what is good and right and honorable to you. I always want to conclude by thanking you for this beautiful building and the surroundings, for all that have contributed and continue to contribute to it. God, thank you for the pews, <coughs> all that are here this morning, and the empty places that remind us that there are opportunities to welcome and invite. We pray that this service has been pleasing to you, and we give it to you. Amen. You'll please.